Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 25th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. I just. Uh, I. I got back. I. I didn't open my mail until the next day after we recorded the other day, and um, you know, I feel like sometimes my uh, my occupation makes me numb to cool golf things, and I got yeah. Masters parking pass and. And, uh, you know, a lot of things I don't get that excited about and uh -huh. it, it was unexpected, but I, I, I all of a sudden was like uber uh -huh. excited and I haven't felt like, uh, like that in a while, you know? Now the goal is just not to lose it between now and next, whatever Sunday. Yeah. That's always <laughs> a high pressure. Know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. I would agree. I mean, as cool as you want to play it, like, you know, yeah. When you get that first master's parking pass or the one yeah it's very cool it's very cool and you've experienced a lot of cool things in the golf world it's gonna be pumped uh, i'm pumped it's gonna be a great great week ready to get down there tiger remains in the field a lot of people tweeting about how he's still on the website uh you know as if that's instructive about anything but hey i would say i was thinking about it today like if he was for sure not playing we would know by now right would he announce yeah. it or would he still I just feel like screw it. with us and not let us know until Friday of next week or something like that? Who knows? Uh, well, I think but, that's like the, the thing, right? Is that forever, it's, he's always waiting till the Friday before to let people know if he's playing or not. Yeah, but I think like that's become less of a, uh, that was like an older Steiny thing in the 13, 14, 15 range. But I don't know. We'll see. You will be there though. We know that for sure. I'll be there. For a little bit, we'll have Will Knights is coming. We got, we have a, you know, a few eggs jumping out of the carton coming down to uh, poking their head out. It'll be great. Ready for it? Uh, I have a little bit of whimsy to get us going on Friday. Get you in the mood. We were just talking. Something put you in a bad mood. You're like, ah, I'm all fired up. I don't know if I want to keep you fired up or get you giggling a little bit. But we have some intel from the ground about our favorite broadcaster. Dylan Fratelli, who is now working for PGA Tour Live. Because, <laughs> you know, player well, dining. I don't understand what dining. he's doing. Why is he working for PGA Tour Live? Because you get media dining. I mean, he saw a week of free meals out the window when he didn't qualify for his hometown event. So he finagled his way into media, working media. And, you know, which you'll you'll be spoiled with in a week here at Augusta. I mean, that's as spoiled as you get, whatever you want, all day, every day. So he saw an option for free media dining, and he took it. And now he's walking up and down. I was, I did a triple take when I was watching Speed's match, and he goes, "Dylan, Dylan, where did it cross?" I was like, "Is that Fratelli?" And they zoomed out, and it was him. I can't believe it. Wait, he's like a hundredth in the world, and he's he's doing PGA Tour a lot. He's I I don't get it. I I guess it's somewhat of a smart move. He's trying to set himself up early for a broadcast career. 
I mean, maybe that's also sure, his social sure. media strategy. Why he's oh out there commenting God. on every Instagram post. That is bonkers. That's bizarre. I would read. I'm telling a you though, profile about that. Pro pro even... golfers are have the most time on their hands of any any athletes. Yeah, but that is that is that is bizarre behavior. If someone was doing that, like to your account, you get a restraining order. He re- replies to every. He's like top comment on every single post. And then when people pop him for it, he gets in the replies. He's in the Instagram comments 75% of his day. And the other 25%, I guess he's swinging a golf club. I can't believe how, how prolifer- proliferative he is in the Instagram comments. It's incredible. I don't even know if that's a word. but Yeah, maybe he's on Instagram doing doing more things than commenting. You know? uh, I think he's, me- he's trolling the, trolling the wa- waters uh, you know, for... Uh, for single women. Let me get to the bit of whimsy while we're on the subject of this. I, I, I would note that he broadcasted in his fully branded, you know, attire, like the Odyssey. Sun sleeves, too. Uh, this is an old one, too. Another bit of whimsy. We're just we're Friday wandering. Someone sent us, I think, I think it was Webb Simpson's Christmas card. Like, it's family Christmas card. I think oh, he posted it. Seems out of bounds. <laughs> And he was like in his Burns and Wilcox. And oh, like, oh <laughs> come on! For, I don't have his Christmas card. It was like family photos. I think he posted to Instagram. But he's in his scripting. What's he doing? What are you doing? Fam- like backyard professional photos in your like sponsored gear. All right. One thing I will say, you know, I don't think there's any excuse for this. This is not an excuse. I will say, COVID and the pandemic like really hindered i think a lot of people's wardrobe like you did, nobody bought clothes there's no reason to buy clothes you weren't seeing anybody forever sure. it was funny my wife bought me a shirt last summer it was like for my birthday or something I, and and the first time i wore the shirt she looked at me and she's like god you know, I forgot what you look like in in normal clothes like not in like fried egg gear right and i was like so i i'm just throwing but that out the there professional photographers you should come yeah I, i'm just saying i'm not I'm not, excu- I'm not excusing it i'm not excusing it burns and will i'm just adding a little bit of a, a little color around right. that type of thing like All i right. could relate a little bit like i wore that and, and you know my wife looks at me like completely different than she looked at me the last 18 months and it made me think oh you know maybe i should get some more normal clothes all right. Well, on the subject of abnormal clothes, this was supposed to be 10 seconds to wet our whistle at the top. Here's the Fratelli intel from the ground. He is often at the UT course putting on the team's, on the team's practice green with no shirt on on the team's practice green. But get this, still wearing his sun sleeves. No. How does that work? You know what? What's I think, the point of that? I think Fratelli should wander over to the Fried Eggs Insta, get a, get versed in, in uh, golf course architecture, and form a dynamic trio with Mike Davis and the Shirtless Shaper. Oh. Tommy Fascio. Shirtless, but still sleeves. <laughs> yeah. That would give them really... That's- Really a dynamic uh, dynamic pairing like of, of aesthetics. 
of like the guys who walk around and cut off sleeves too much. You're doing the option, option, opposite. Like the I, sleeve monster who stole your sleeves. Somebody's got to get a picture of this. I actually, I don't believe it. I'm not. This I is don't, from a I'm, reputable journalist. Like this is not from some guy in Austin who was who was snooping around and heard the story. He's at the UT Putting Green. Now is that maybe like? If he's the arm locking and you want to feel it against the sleeves and you're trying to simulate conditions there. I, I, don't, I don't think know. he arm locks, does he? Well, maybe not. But I'm trying maybe. to understand why you'd wear sun sleeves, but no shirt. Maybe one of the Burley boys could get us a little bit more intel. You know, they could ask their rival Texas, you uh, know. Yeah. Below I don't know if there's any Texas UT guys that, you know, I, I need some confirmation and ideally a picture. The, I would love twins. a picture. <laughs> Anyways, that gets us going here on this Friday. Let's jump in to the WGC match play where uh, Fratelli is on the call. Uh, we are recording this early midday Thursday. So we are literally in the middle of the second match of three uh, of pool play. Um, there's pointless to talk results, let's talk. All, all I want to talk about is about tomorrow. I want everybody on high alert for the just the most inane playoffs ever contested in golf, where eighteen hole results are thrown out the window in order for these contrived playoffs to occur. Where you know these guys that finish pool play two and one, they played an eighteen hole match and somebody won. Between the two of them, within the last two days, but they're playing off. But that's a not lot a tiebreaker. Of... Refresh our memory. That's not yeah, the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker doesn't ima- immediately uh, go to head-to-head because they want to sure? have these. I am positive. This, is, this drives me insane every year. It might be the worst aspect of the pool play is that the 18-hole match doesn't carry more weight than a, a willy-nilly sudden death playoff and you see these guys advance that lost to the guy that they play uh, like they sometimes lose the match the same day and then they go play a one hole playoff yeah i i I can't get over it i was confused yesterday because i assume I assume there were no halves, right? Just based on like no, there are halves. The 19th hole. But there are halves until the so... pool is completed. This whole bullshit format removed the really awesome aspect of match play and USAMs is that <coughs> there has to be a winner and a loser, and they took that and made this contrived playoff format yeah. where it doesn't matter yeah. if you won the 18-hole match. It just it boggles my mind. Boggles how, my mind. How this like this was decided there wasn't like it's because they want the playoffs. Sure. So badly for the TV. The the one the one whole deal. The yeah, drama what? Friday like when nobody's watching golf, everybody's on the train going home or at the bar, right? Or happy hour things like that. I mean, they could just do it where you can't tie a match. They could just have it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So we're in the middle of this round robin stuff. It's pointless to talk results. Let's just do a few n- notable, I don't know, occurrences. I want to talk about Keegan's aim point, viral video. I think we're at the point, aim point has to be outlawed, has to be gone. If you're going to, because it provides 
the latitude for what we saw from Keegan Bradley to happen yesterday. The, the, the video went popped off. It's, I don't know, 55 seconds of, you know, massaging the ground with his feet from two feet out, three feet out, six feet out. Then he turns it one way, turns the other way. He's, you know, he goes to address and he steps back. This can't happen. We cannot have this practice needs to be outlawed immediately. Arm block, aim point. It's got to go. Aim point. I mean, it's pretty, it's prevalent. It's not like, you know, the dominant way of putting, I would say. But, but like, if it leads to this, it should be a wholesale outline of the practice. There's There's a simple, a simple solution always to this clock. Yeah. Shot clock. I mean, Somebody's was, not going to be tiptoeing, prancing around the green. Really <laughs> yeah. massaging the ground with his feet, just sitting there, trying to give it a foot massage with his toes. I, is that how that works? We wouldn't see people walking up from 80 yards away to check out where the hole is on yeah. regular basis. This is, this is not something that's just, it happens all the time. Right. There needs to be a shot clock, and you need to be afforded maybe one timeout around where you you can you know it would it would solve so many of golf's issues. Right, right. Professional Another- golf. I'm not suggesting like there's no way, but professional golf. The PGA Tour has the means and the resources to institute something like this. Another issue from our first I don't know a first course at the uh, first appetizer match play. The ninth hole, a little controversial. I was just trying to wet your whistle. I was trying to, you know, throw some red, red meat into your cage. You and a few other people, you know, architecture folks. What's going on with this ninth hole? We got Spieth excoriating it, saying it's a sick, great hole in a sarcastic tone. It did seem a little ridiculous. You've got this dormant rough everywhere. It's not thick. It's mowed down. It's dormant. The what ball... are you, a member of the fair police now? No, I'm. I mean. I, Shit! Put put a hazard in the middle of the fairway, blind. Put a Listen, new one in by Friday. All these guys, all these guys have the option of laying back on top of the hill. None of them want to take it. There's a risk to hitting it down the hill. Like Certainly. I would, hit, I would hit it down the hill too. But like, don't act like you don't know the canyons there. Jordan Spieth's been playing this course through college. He knows what's there. Big tax Sergio put it in there today, too. I mean, he knows well, it as well as anybody. They all could just lay back to the top of the hill and not deal with it, but they don't. And, and I mean, it's statistically that it makes sense to push it down there. Yeah. But you can lay back to the top of the hill. But it's a blind shot. It's a blind tee ball. No, I mean, it's not blind on top of the hill. It's blind well, if you hit the driver down the hill. That's right. I mean, speed hit above cut that was hugging the right side and it went through the fairway and into the hazard down the left I, he, he knew the hazard pissed. was there very pissed Keegan Bradley, like, I don't know what you farther are than him say. and harder than him and his like hugs the line and just keeps rolling I don't know I thought it was amusing bit of controversy where you have somebody it's listen blasting a hole on the microphone and and, I, and then he was so flustered he made the mistake of hitting first when you go in the hazard the other guy's away Right, we just saw this happen with Sergio, and I think it's Morikawa. Sergio, oh my God, he just got it to one down. He's firing up the crowd, doing his hook 'em stuff. <laughs> Thinks he's uh, he's on home soil, running out of the t- tunnel at Daryl K. Royal Stadium. Um, 
Yeah, so, so that's the other thing. Spieth was flustered and he hit first ahead of Keegan when, when he shouldn't have played first. Watch Keegan play where he needs to and then, you know, figure out what you got to do. So uh, that's that's another item. Uh, what else? The 13th, I mean, Patrick Reed blasting it up into the... I mean, line, into the line drive section. That wasn't just backboarding. I mean, it was like that, that thing's like three stories high, two stories high. It, it's, it's everybody's doing it. Everybody is just aiming there and launching it into the fans. They're now doing it on like approach shots too. I think, or maybe yeah. that was the next Fitzy. Fitzy fourteen hammered it on fourteen. That was fourteen. Did you hear it? It like it was yes. like it hit the foul ball of the foul yeah. pole. It came back onto the green. I was like I was doing ahead. something else. I was in the office. I had it on on, on my like side monitor, and I was doing something yeah. else. And I just heard ping, and I like looked over, and the ball's shooting back across the green. Again, the members aren't playing it like this. No one gets the benefit of this, you know, drivable par four with an entire backboard behind it. Um, what else? Let's do a let's do an ad read real quick. Then we'll come back to Bryson Thick Boys ruling on the sprinkler head. Paul Casey, everybody coming on to my my coming around on my Casey takes. Let's do Masters Fact of the Day, presented by our good friends at Elijah Craig, uh, who encourage you to discover the greatness within Elijah Craig's small batch bourbon, small batch with an A bourbon. Uh, it never settles for less than the best. Every bottle of their award-winning small batch. Carries a signature warm spice and subtle smoke flavor. And if you'd like smoke. to read more about this, we have our own URL. Don't stop the car when you're at home. You know, run to your office and pull up the URL if you're listening to this while you're doing dishes or yard work. Go inside and pull up this URL and find an old-fashioned or some other bourbon-inspired cocktail recipe. And that URL is ElijahCraig.com slash fried egg, where you can discover the greatness within. Uh, I should I should note, uh, Elijah Craig, or I'm sorry, the Shotgun Start is brought to you by Elijah Craig, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, Bardstown, Kentucky, 47% alcohol by volume. Elijah Craig reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. We've seen several people send in pictures of their, their small batch, uh, Elijah Craig bourbon, and uh, you know, hey, it's a way to support the pod. Send us pictures if you're out there getting the brown juice. Uh, yeah, that's a little accompaniment for March Madness, accompaniment for the Masters as that approaches. Maybe accompaniment for match play. You know, these things go to like eight, eight thirty. Um, and yeah, they're supporting the pod. They won the double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits competition, and they're supporting Masters Fact of the Day for the shotgun start. So, what is our Masters Fact of the Day today? Comes from us, Bama Bearcat at Bama uh, Bearcat. Bam, Bama. And it's a it's a real useful one. It's a book recommendation with bottled up in a fact. We got a lot of pushback on the last one. It's with it's the true. It's, I mean, it's not like they're plugs. people thought it was like people yeah, thought they, they were bringing it out like you know the way he described it, the carpet. way he described yeah. it was like yeah. they cut they cut it out and then they bring in this sod car, like a and they strip it in. That's not true. They put these plugs in. It's a little, you know, like hexagonal plugs, yeah, right? or something. I he seemed to think it's evolved into a, like a little strip. Maybe it has. Maybe well, I'll I'll be on the lookout this year okay. when I'm on the grounds. I'll I'll, I'll, expect, I'll inspect and see see what I can find. Either way, it's not 
well, you know, kitty litter turf or, or going in there. Maybe yeah. they should put to kitty litter down. Yeah. Uh, master fact of the day. A book recommendation. Famous Fairways by Sir Peter Allen. At the time, this book was written in 1966. Are you familiar with this book? No. Sir Peter Allen. Famous <laughs> Allen was the only overseas member at Augusta it's, it's, National. It's, 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 there are three used on, on <laughs> this is a book recommendation. There's three. This is a perfect Bama Bearcat book recommendation. There's three used. On Amazon for eighty dollars a pop. He says copies of famous fairways can be found for ten dollars from the usual outlets. Usual outlets, eighty one, eighty one. The best the price I can see is seventy seven seventy, <laughs> and it'll deliver after the Masters. Uh, famous fairways by Sir Peter Allen. The book was written in 1966. He was the only overseas member of Augusta National. The book is a really well-done travelogue, according to Bama Barrick. Out of the 400-plus courses Alan played while traveling around the globe in his duties as chairman of Imperial Chemical Corp. In Bama's opinion, it's the best book of course reviews in the time frame between Darwin's Courses of the British Isle and Tom Doak's Confidential Guide. I wonder, yeah, all right, that's Bama's opinion. I like that. Here is his review, Sir Peter Allen's review of Augusta National. Quote, unique in that while you and unique. I... <laughs> vibes, un- incredible vibes at Augusta National. Unique. Amazing scale. Uh, unique in that while you and Subtle. I... Subtle. Can... <laughs> Nuanced. Uh... <laughs> Just some buzzwords you may see out and about there. All right, quote, unique in that while you and I can bumble around and say 84 because there are no savage carries or penal hazards, to get around in 72 even from the forward tees is a notable achievement. After all, there's no tough, I assume that means rough, to speak of. Very few bunkers. But the folds and slopes of the fairways and greens are subtle and exacting. With the pin positions of the last day of the Masters, you have as grueling and difficult course as I know. Right? Pretty pretty good encapsulation of what you'd want, right? We can get around an 84, but it's an ass kicker to shoot 72. And I can, you know, unique savage carries. <laughs> no rough, few bunkers, folds and slopes. Love it. So that's Sir Peter Allen's, and that's a book recommendation, and that's your Masters fact of the day. The first... Uh, international. I don't know if it was a first overseas member. He was the only overseas member when he wrote the book. All right, continue on with our match play chatter. What do you make of the sprinkler head? The rules committee, Gary Young, back in the spotlight after the players, you know, the 10-minute updates every 10 minutes at the players. Gary Young, they mismarked the sprinkler head. at That's 13, right, uh, on the edge. There's no room, you know, there between the hazard line and almost the edge of the green. So they put down a piece of red line and it the grass folded into the sprinkler head. And now we have rules committee on TV quite a bit. And and people people need stuff to talk about because it can get boring. And this was what we had to talk about. What do you make of it? Are you ready to, you know, call anyone onto the carpet on this? Or do you not care? Um, you know, I I think it's <laughs> I mean, the only reason either ball stopped is the sprinkler head. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, all, we watched balls. We saw yeah, balls all true. day just 
bounding yeah. along and going through the rough with no yeah. problem onto the railroad tie and out. Yeah. So, you know, Thomas Peters gets what was a bad break. He won. It doesn't matter, you know, looking back. But he, what was a bad break, considering Bryson got the drop a few hours, like an hour later, Bryson gets the drop. Yeah. Same. It's crazy the same thing happened. It's absolutely right. nuts. Well, there was, uh, yeah. I mean, based on that pin, you, we did see balls in that area over and over again. Flirting. I think it was downwind. Like, Peters didn't hit a bad chip, right? It was just, does that green fall off a little bit in yeah. the front? And he didn't hit a terrible chip, and it just kept diving hard, hard. Well, and I think guess the wind what? was blown that way, too. So When you bail 50 yards right, right, right. you're right. delaying the penalty. You're delaying when you have to take on that water. There are, you know, there's these things in the ground that are called contours. That, that sometimes work against you when you hit a really sheepishly cowardice shot to the right, like all, everybody's doing. So the ball should go in the water a lot, you know? When should you be any rough back. there. Yeah. Because you're, 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 you're basically just passing the buck on taking it out of the water. But anyways, Bryson, I mean, I get the rule, like, oh, we wanted to change it. You could change it in the middle of the match. I don't understand why I could have just waited until the next day. Right? It just I, looked, you wanted to see Bryson a, jam. Well, it just looked absurd. It's like Thomas Peters doesn't get this drop. It's like, you know, golf gets in its own way. Stick by your guns. Okay, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna change the rule today. We're gonna change tomorrow. I love that Thomas Peters didn't even try and make the shot. <laughs> yeah, it's like he had you. to make it yeah. to tie the hole, and he just like hit it to the middle of the green on yeah. purpose. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was. I loved it, and I would have loved to see what Bryson did with the poor ruling. It's part of go- part of golf is overcoming unfair things that happen to you. The game inherently is unfair. That is part of the game. The game is not supposed to be a fair test of golf. Part of it is an emotional test to overcome bad breaks. And it's this goes back to the same thing with like the divot in the fairway conversation. Like you get bad breaks. And just because the guy that set the line like a millimeter off, that's a bad break. It's a bad break. Deal with it. Move on. It right. shouldn't be in this huge controversy. You know, the on. rules of the day are the rules of the day. Deal with it. So their distinction was it didn't have to be the rule of the day because it is match play. Yeah. Each match is its own individual competition, and it's not, you know, 72 But, guys like, if they play. haven't repainted it, then it shouldn't, you know, Dick Bland right. shouldn't have to deal with that. Right, which was... It was interesting. They hadn't even repainted it yet, and they're still well, like, that's "No, the don't worry about it." Like, but then they this came is in the thing, the Dick. Can. So Dick Bland played the hole, understanding where the hazard line was. His competitor—they're playing the same hole with the same premise and same basic right. information. That hazard line was painted on Monday or Sunday too. That hazard line wasn't painted on the morning of 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 Wednesday. They played practice rounds with that hazard line painted. I'm not saying that Dick Bland paid attention to that, but every competitor played under that premise and did practice rounds under that premise. And sure. maybe, you know, if it's not caught in in all those people going around before that, it shouldn't yeah. just be changed in the middle of a Don't match in the for, for Bryson. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, because Bryson have that hole. Right, they have it, they, and they, they have the match, and they have the hole, and they have the match. I heard there were people giving Richie Bland, Dick Bland, some guff, like maybe hecklers, maybe maybe associated with his opponent. I'm not sure yet though, but they're calling him Richie. We need some some of Bland's boys out there fighting back. Oh man, supporting their man. What? It's it's a battle for the kingdom right now with Bryson. Who who is it? Westy. What's yeah. The, what's the score? Westy and Bryson. Battling, battling uh, for the for the number two position behind Phil in the kingdom pecking order. I saw Kokrak is taking big shot Bob to the woodshed, which made me sad. You know, I like think I think they should change Kokrak's flag to Saudi Arabia. Oh God, come on, come on for the WGC for all events. I think they should do that. That's what the uh, tour, how the tour should strike back. Get back at them. Uh, okay. Anybody that plays in Saudi events, they should change their flag to Saudi Arabia. And our last controversy here from these early rounds or early matches, Paul Casey showing up, oh, the ski mask on. Another guy, another guy that should have this bay. flag turned to, to Saudi true. Arabia. That's true. People are coming around on my Paul Casey. Like This has been a, a thing that, you know, We've been talking about here for a couple of years. Sorry, I got distracted there. But Will Knights is informing us he still makes his what? What is it? Forty k this week? Three concessions. What I don't understand is he shows up to the tee every time except for tomorrow now, Friday, and he's already conceded that one. But why? He Alex Norton had to hit a shot and then he WD'd. You know they played a hole, or I guess they played two yesterday, and then he WD'd. I don't know. He's taken his last few few. You know. Uh, maybe he's not jumping ship, but he's he's extracting every dollar out of the PJ Tour. Perhaps on his way out, perhaps not. But he's making sure he got paid for his troubles this week. Uh, I had him in a one and done league too that I actually pay money for. So you pay I, money I for our one and done league. That's too. true. That's true. Um, <laughs> you just like to make a mockery of it. Does this pick. offend you? I mean, it's part of being in the field. It's kind of it's bullshit for this event. This is the event, especially with the pool format. It's bullshit because it it is like made. This is a huge, another huge flaw in this. I don't know why the tour can't just come up with good formats. Like they they meddle. Like match play is probably the easiest format to set up for success. You just put a bracket together and go. It's easy to under. They've literally made the most easy to understand format. Difficult, but now all the people in his pod have a huge advantage over everybody else to get to the round of 16, which is not insignificant. It'd be one thing if he showed up in WD on his round of 64 match and a guy got got through one round, you know, but right. effectively he has created this this inherent huge advantage for Rest people day. in his pool. Rest day. Yeah, I, I guess I saw Ben Coley tweeting that. Danny Chops was on PGA Tour Live, it's ex- like exhorting Casey, like he has to play tomorrow to protect the field. Yeah. Well, Coley was like, "No, that's the opposite. Like, if you can't like concede the first two and then like put the pedal down again, that's kind of the opposite. It's not protecting his pool, right? I mean, it's pretty much jamming Usti. I think it's his Friday opponent. Anyways, it's not. Usti's out. It's it's over. Anyways, Usti okay. lost. It's okay. it's a Connors Norin, a one and zero versus a one and zero. 
UPS. CT, CT UPS boy versus the grinder. I love what Alex Doran. I watched him like the entire. I watched. I, I was. I half wrote an article years ago about Alex Noren. Alex Noren's like the ultimate agitator. He reminds me of like Bruce Bowen because he's doing all those. He's yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. He he would just be awful to play a match against. You'd get so irritated watching his all of his gesticulations out there. You know, he's just grinding on the range, and he's been dominant. At at Austin, yeah. like his yeah. record, I think he's won eighty percent of his matches there. I mean, he's just it, the guy that I would not want to turn up against. Same applies to you know Sergio, right? He's just annoying. He's annoying, right? Keegan like, probably gets this way. Kevin Na looks like it's blowing right. Yeah, Na like started smirking when they, the interviewer, I think it was Catherine Tappan, called him like you know pest pesky or a. Pest. Well, this is and what the like, yeah yeah you know. This is the beauty of match play. This is why. As golf fans, us not getting it more is is such a disservice because so much more of players' personalities and skills come to the forefront in match play because you see them juxtaposed against, you know, different players and different personalities. And Nah is like, he just would be annoying to play against because of his antics with the ball picking up. But the other thing is him being a shorter hitter he would annoy you because he's always hitting first. And yeah. it's this weird thing. You could be in position A in match play, and some guy's 40 yards behind you, and then he stuffs it, and you're like, well, shit. Like, right. I got to hit this to, like, two feet. Right. And right. that's the cool thing is, like, there's an ability to put pressure. Like, you put pressure – as a long hitter, you put pressure on people off the tee. You're like a power serve guy. But then, as a shorter hitter, you get the opportunity to put pressure on second shots and be kind of like that return in in uh, tennis player. Um, so it just it's so fascinating. I'm so bummed. We'd have so many more rivalries. We'd have so many more mm-hmm. little controversies. Like that's the thing we're missing out on yep. because this is where things get chippy. These guys are uber competitive and they hate losing. I think a lot of these guys hate losing more than they like winning. Right. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and in match play, you know, you get all, there's, it's, it's a 50, 50 proposition, right? I mean, it's one or the other. Whereas a lot of guys don't mind a top five, top 10. Granted that's not winning, but some of them are okay with that as opposed to just a straight loss. So. The other thing it does is it, it exposes people that don't really have it, have the, have the juice to win the big stuff. That's Xander just kicked one away. Apparently Westy's Not proven that Westy's proven that in numerous match places. We do have a good one going. Uh, uh, Morikawa and Sergio just won two in a row, 15, 16 to even up Morikawa in the wind, hitting his fade at the par three seventeenth. Didn't make the hazard, but it's it's down there near the the rock wall there or in the bunker. I didn't see it. We're watching it live, but that little fade you're talking about in the wind at Sawgrass, it's blowing. Uh, you're gonna Austin get right me now. in trouble. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get like me to that. call like from that. from uh, from his agent or something. All right, let's get on with it. No more uh, match play talk. We'll have a full review of that on Monday. Let's do a flashback Friday. Precision Pro. Flashback Friday is the official rangefinder of the Shotgun Start. You can go to precisionprogolf.com, peruse their website, uh, and I would suggest for now buy an NX9 rangefinder. You could use the promo code Shotgun20, get twenty dollars off. Ready to you know 
complete your bag as uh, the golf season returns in much of the country. Maybe it's returned in, or never left in your part of the country, but you're getting set for the season. You can go to precisionprogolf.com. You get uh, $20 off with the promo code SHOTGUN20. You get excellent uh, customer service from our guy, Eric. You get lifetime battery replacement. You have a... I, I don't want to say... Look, it's a place that's not owned by this giant conglomerate. You know, there's some others that are owned by enormous companies. This is owned by folks that are entirely dedicated to this, entirely dedicated to customer service for this, uh, listeners of the podcast, good human beings on the other end of it. That's all I'll say as get, having to get to know them the last two plus years. Leave it yeah. to that. Great people, great product. You know, what's what's... Not to like. That's an easy, easy What's sell. Not to like. There you go. I need All to right. get a new one too. I still, I, I got to go on. Loss. Yeah, I lost mine. I, I got to go get a new one. I got to, you know, I got to purchase one. I've been kind of, you know, I, I've been dilly dallying, but it's been painful. I've been, you know, I've been sacrificing a lot of shots because I, you know, I've, people don't have as many yardage. You know, a lot of plates don't have yardages on them anymore because I think they've been rendered, you know, irrelevant yeah. by by rangefinders, and yeah. it's been painful. I've been just caught. guessing. I've been guessing at yardages, and people you know, it's like come up fifteen yeah. yards short or ten yards long. Yep, yep. It's, it always seems like when you're guessing, you end up short. I would say. You- Yes. Let's say you usually air short, I would, I would say. Um, all right. Let's get to this Flashback Friday. We're going to do a match play. God, there were ample. I had 18 different options. I was like an Evolvo match play. The Gary Players went there. There's a lot of options. We're going to go to year 2000. Uh, year 2000. WGC. I think it was Anderson Consulting match, WGC match play. Real quick. Time. Yeah. You know what I miss about the old match play? One little thing. It's just like this little thing. I saw the tour did this really neat little social package around the Ames Tiger match, which was fun. I recommend people go check it out. It was, it's just on their social media. But the, the Tiger's responses at the end to the press to the to the um reporter. To, to the reporter. <laughs> so good. I, I mean, I it see. made me laugh. It okay. made me laugh. It was just the la- the last one. I can't remember what he said, but I literally laughed out loud. I was like, that was, you know, <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, the the. Uh, what do you mean? They used to name name the brackets like the Bobby Jones yeah. bracket. It's just like added a little that? charm. No, it's just a little charm. It's just a touch charm, an ode to history. Okay, I swear you would be calling that stupid if they did that. No, them. it's oh, an ode yeah. to history. It's okay. a, it's a Bobby right. Jones bracket. You know, Ben Hogan it. bracket. Okay. Right. That, that, right. that was that's good it could there could be a tiger bracket now a jack sure. nicholas bracket like that would be really neat phil nicholson bracket it's Maybe it's just the the tour likes to talk about history but they aren't very good at celebrating history no, of course not no they like to wipe history away and you know this is another event that they've the minimal history that was there was wiped away you know i was once told like eh, i don't know if i want to get into it but like they don't lean in that and networks don't lean into a lot of that stuff because like they want to promo. They don't feel like it's promoting like the modern athletes and modern games and they want to like show off. You know, it's not helping the current tour. They want to just show like some 1970s or 1960s. Like, you know, you, these 
classics rounds and greatest rounds is not helping promote the product they want oh, that's push that's now. it yeah so, getting people I invested in from, golf's past uh, hurts the future that's very that, high ranking person once having um, people having viewers have a higher iq might hurt them actually though yeah. that's the one thing that's it's true i guess i could buy that the more the more golf fans know the more miserable they'll realize the 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 operation is and that's your flashback friday all right let's get to it the actual flashback friday another tiger incident although he didn't didn't take aims to the woodshed he got taken to the woodshed and the year 2000 of all years tiger oh. woods years this is a uh, source. I want to get my sources here. Fergus Bissett. What a name. Golf <laughs> Monthly. And uh, Gary Van Sickle of Sports Illustrated. Two primary sources I used for this. Just want to shout them out here at the top. Uh, Fergus, let's get to you. 2000, as we know, was the year Tiger stamped his authority on the world of golf. He'd won three of four majors and six other tournaments on the PGA Tour. I think coming into this. So this was like March, first week of March. It was a LaCosta, Anderson Consulting, WGC match play. He'd already won that Mercedes duel with Ernie Els, and he'd already won uh, Pebble. So he'd won twice, and of course, at the majors, he would go bananas uh, in the coming majors. And this previous season, he won eight times, and uh, he won the 99 PGA, of course, and then he won eight other tournaments, including two WGCs and that tour championship. So like 2,000 Tiger Woods. Right, that was '99, and we already know what was coming later. This is first week of March. He'd won twice. A lot more is coming down the pike in the year 2000. Um, so going into the Anderson Consulting match play, he was number one. Was by it a at vast Dove, Mar- Dove Mar- Mountain? No, La Costa. La I just Costa. said that. All right, La Costa. Yeah. I know. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to give you shit. Um, he was world number one, but he was looking to make amends because he'd lost to Jeff Maggard, the uh, <laughs> the khaki black shoot guy. Yeah, I was gonna say the. Yeah, the clashing Jeff Maggart, clashing attire Jeff Maggart uh, in the year prior. I found a bunch of old articles about people complaining about the duds of who advanced. You know, Anderson's not getting their money. Kevin, Su- Kevin Sutherland the was in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was bad. Uh, there's a lot of options for Flashback Friday. See, this um, is the thing about what? the match play. You remember these things. You remember... Yeah. it's. It's unbelievable how how this this event might not exist in a year or two. Yep, yep. Uh, but then on the other end, so this was also you had Duvall had a great ninety nine. Uh, he's on one side of the bracket, uh, Tiger's on the other side, and everybody's like, "This is going to be it. This is going to be incredible." Uh, match play final. This is when they were doing like the battle for Bighorn too, right? That, yeah, uh, it was probably that era. Yep, yep. But Darren Clark, of all people, plays the spoiler. Clarky uh, had very little form coming into it. He had he never won in the U.S. He was you know good enough to make a WGC match play. Was like eighth on the order of merit the prior season. Played in L.A. like the week or two before and missed the cut by like six shots. Had done nothing that year. He steamrolls Tiger in the finals. Steamrolls Duvall in the quarters or semis. But we'll get into it in round one. Clark faced recent Sony Open winner, Paul Azinger. They expected Clark to take an early bath, but he, he cleaned uh, Azinger's clock in the first round. <laughs> Azinger probably couldn't eat that morning. He was so nervous about the match play. Uh, and, and Clark admitted he had flights home. He had a book, booked flight home every single night of the week. 
because he'd been playing it so poorly. He didn't have a lot of confidence. He had a flight home every night. So he beats Azinger. Um, he beats Hal Sutton and won. He got lucky. He got the luckiest break ever in Sutton. He was hit a horrendous drive, Clark. Uh, I had it uh, somewhere in here. It's a horrible drive going sailing, if not OB, off into the woods. It hits a power line. Which we've talked about at LaCosta with one of these flashbacks with Steve Elkington hit multiple power lines. Yeah. And in these articles, it's like these power lines just mar the course. And so he gets to re-tee and hits again. And, you know, I think they have the hole or he won the hole and he ended up beating Hal Sutton. Clark then beats, uh, beats up on Duvall in the, in the semis, I believe. And he gets to the finals and they're so worried because he's pretty... He's a husky boy. He's not as husky as he is now in his card on the Champions Tour, but he's still husky. He's puffing on a cigar, and this is uh, this is this Fergus? is from the Fergus article. <laughs> Weighing in at over sixteen stone with a penchant for the finer things in life, many wondered if Clark had the necessary fitness to play thirty-six holes in a day. Quote Chubby Chandler: "He's not fit, but he's strong." <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> So he beat Duvall 4-2 and two to get into the final. Tiger getting in the final was pretty straightforward. Uh, he got pushed a little bit by Goosen and Paul Lowry. But in the semi against Davis Love III, he, he made two eagles, four birdies, and crushed Love 5-4. and four. Uh, He was hitting it 20 and 30 yards past everyone. I Interestingly, another flashback Friday. I almost did 2004, I want to say, when Tiger won it, but wasn't playing it well. DL3 was like... He's not hitting at 20 and 30 yards past us anymore. Like, it, he's not it's when playing the golf as well. ball, the golf ball yeah. years. What happened between 2000, 2004, 5? It was uh, Pro V1, X. Yeah. Yep. So, Tiger's uh, stuck playing those Nike balls. So, the final was between the undisputed world number one and the habitual winner, Tiger Woods, and a rotund, Guinness swilling Ulsterman whose best finish in the USA had been a tie for eighth in the 98 Masters. There could only be one winner. On the way back to the clubhouse after beating Duval, Clark asked Chubby Chandler what time he was playing the following day. 7.20 a.m. was the reply. He goes, oh, why so early? He goes, because it's 36 holes. And Clark was like, what? It is? <laughs> he didn't know it was 36, and he had to tee off at 20, uh, 7.20. Uh, but he did, so they were like, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. He did go out, and like he was working on his game. He was like hitting balls like late after matches on several of the days. Um, so let's get to uh, Van Sickle a little bit. The streak is dead. Long live the streak. Golf is a mercurial, mercurial game and notoriously fickle. Ask Tiger Woods, who seems to have been dumped by the game he loves. I, dumped is a strong word. He had six straight victories on tour. So that was wrapping around from, you know, 99 to 2000. Uh, and all it was, it was sure to be seven, but another amazing comeback at last month's Buick Invitational. Then Phil Mickelson did a NASDAQ on the closing holes and Woods did a Dow Jones and the streak was over. I assume that's relevant to the, the stocks, you know, the markets and what they were doing at that time. One went up, one went down. Woods was poised to strike again, leading, lurking three shots off the lead in the final round of the Nissan Open, but he bogeyed three in a row. And instead of starting a new streak, he watched one end with Kirk Triplett, who'd never won, becoming the Nissan Open uh, winner. I should note, 
At this La Costa week, according to Van Sickle, two days of torrential rain softened the 7,046-yard course, making it a hitter's paradise. And Woods, as those of you still not hiding in your Y2K shelters know, is the biggest hitter of them all. Y2K reference here. Uh, it was The setup was made to order, and the other 63 players in the elite field seemed to know it. His first five opponents were a cumulative two under par against him, um, even though everyone was lift clean and cheating. Woods was 21 under and won all five matches. So Woods was 21 under. His first five opponents were cumulative two under. You know, that doesn't mean they all played like crap. One could have, you know, adjusted that cumulative number. Yeah. One guy um, could have been nine over. Right. Right. So interestingly enough, uh, he he crushed Michael Campbell in the first round. He beat Shigeki Mariyama of Japan, who like only a week earlier, someone asked Mariyama if he could catch Tiger at the Buick, and he replied, "No chance, Shigeki." And then he has to play him head to head in the in the match it's play. It's like uh, Shugo, yeah. Shugo, Shugo uh, and Kefka, uh, Kefka, yeah, Dunlop Phoenix. So he blitzed him four and three. He beat Laurie two up, um, and then Davis Love, you know, he crushed. Before the semis, Butch Harmon. The swing coach who works for Woods and Darren Clark. So this was an interesting one. Butch, this was Butch working with both guys at the time, predicted that the Irishman would smoke number two ranked Duvall like a salmon. And he did, as we noted. Chubby Chandler had an inkling that his man was going, was, wasn't going to roll over when he saw Clark heading back out to the practice range on Saturday night to spend a long day against Hale Sutton and then Duvall. So he, he was shocked he had 36 the next day, but he then went out and hit balls in the range. In the finals, Clark put on one of the finest displays of golf in the last decade or so to whip Woods four and three. He had 12 birdies and one bogey in 33 holes, a near perfect performance. He did to Tiger what Tiger has been doing to everybody else, said Butch. He kicked his butt and looked him right in the eye while he was doing it. Woods confirmed the worst. Darren flat out played me. Um, what else happened here? Harmon was in the strange position of having two of his guys meet so he, this was interesting. He like worked with Woods on the range before Sunday's final. But then when Woods went off to chip and putt, he walked toward Clark, who was laughing at him and waved him off. He's like, you don't need to come down. I'm hitting it perfect. And, you know, he'd go make 12 birdies and only one bogey in 33 holes. He was hitting it perfect. Amazing. Uh, combined, the two of them had 11 birdies in the first 12 holes. They cooled off, obviously. And then... Um, at lunch break, the break, Woods was pissed off with the way he was swinging, so he rushed to the range for Band-Aids from Butch. You think they should have 36 now and a lunch and a time in no. between? No. No. It seems like a lot. So <laughs> I think that's Woods, the opposite of what they should do with the final. Woods goes to the range in between the final, and Darren, Harmon asked, I asked if Darren they, if he's... If they wanted to try and make the match play a, a major, yes, make the 36-hole final. But sure. if you... If you're, if you're looking at an entertainment product, maybe make it nine holes. I asked Darren if he was going to hit any balls, Harmon said, and he said no. He didn't want to go down to the range because then he'd have to walk back up to the clubhouse, and he was too tired. He didn't need to anyways, he was, the way he was playing. So uh, he comes out, and he gets you know birdies in his four eight holes, first eight holes of the afternoon session to go four up. Um, I'm, I'll skip that part. Uh, so here's the tiger, tiger, old classic tigerism. Uh, 
Woods was so frustrated by his inability to mount a comeback that he dropped the F word on the national television audience, which is just a regular thing now, but in 2000 maybe was, you know, an affront. I think that was a, there were a lot of uh, old timers beefs. Beefs with Tiger was his language. Yep. So he dropped the F word on TV after hitting a three wood into a bunker on the short side of the green at the, the 12th hole. The shot highlighted one of the few flaws in Woods' game. Sometimes the club gets stuck, to use Tiger's word, behind his body, causing him to flare shots to the right. Quote, this is classic Tiger. Normally, I would have hit a two iron there, but since I wasn't hitting it that solid, or since I wasn't hitting it solid, there was no point. So I thought, why don't I hit a three wood and heel skank it up there? And maybe get it on the green. The heel skank three wood when you're not hitting it good, as opposed to the two iron. So that was, uh, you know, they made a bunch of jokes. Icky Woods, because Tiger wasn't playing well. Uh, he looks like James Woods. These these bad, bad jokes as he hits the heel skank and, and off into the bunker. So well, we'll on Clark. I love that Go they're ahead. making these jokes of a guy that's, that's, in, the fi- that's in the finals, yeah. too. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So a little bit about Clark. This is from the Van Sickle article. Americans first noted Clark, noticed Clark 31 in the 97 British Open at Truon, where he tied for second behind uh, Justin Leonard. Europeans know him as an amazing talent who has twice shot 60, but has only won five Euro Tour events since turning pro 10 years ago. Many observers were comparing his victory last week to Duvall's first win, which led to a strain of triumphs. They're comparing him to Duvall, like this is going to open the floodgates. Darren has always been an underachiever, said Chubby Chandler. Today is his first day I've ever been able to say he's an achiever now. This is as good a stretch of golf as I've ever seen. So what has taken Clark so long, and what has turned him around? Friends say that he lacked maturity. Born and raised in Dungannon, he was recruited by Wake Forest in 1985. When he arrived on campus, coaches told him that he had to cut out drinking, smoking, and keeping late hours, so he left school the next day. (laughs) Sounds like you what know, a Aldo and Houston, uh, Houston, Monty at whatever. Yeah, Houston Baptist for Monty, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so I think that's it. Well, we'll cut it at that. So this was like Clark's like real, real. They talked about how Chandler, they went down to La Costa for like a, a reconnaissance mission and Chubby Chandler beat him six and five. Like he'd been playing horrible, Clark, uh, crushed Darren Clark. And here he is. He makes his way through the bracket, beating Hal Sutton, who had smoked him in the Ryder Cup the preceding year. Beats David Duvall, who's number two in the world. Beats Tiger in between 1999 and 2000 to win the WGC Anderson Consulting match play. And that's your flashback Friday for uh, this Friday, March 25th. Some good Darren Clark facts in there. Yeah. I didn't know he went to Wake for a day or two. I didn't either. Got to get more intel on that. That's a... Sergio's about to uh, beat Morikawa. Yeah, he's gonna tie. Maybe he made an incredible shot uh, to get. He hit it into the woods on eighteen and managed to hit it inside oh, where Morikawa tied. Hit. Yeah, tied. Fine. He's got to make this. I have All tied right. tied match. He's got his gooders on. He does have his gooders on. All right. Thanks to Precision Pro Golf. Thanks to Elijah Craig. Everyone enjoy your weekend. We'll be back Monday. You know, one more week. Enjoy the, the ba- enjoy the match play. Yep, I'm a big. I, I I love this tournament. You do. Saturday's a great day, right? Yeah. I mean, regardless of whether we lose some top dogs, we'll be back with you on Monday. Mm-hmm.